I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Money Movers, welcome back to Money Moves, the daily podcast determined to give you the keys to the kingdom of financial stability, wealth, and abundance. Hey, Money Movers, welcome back to the Money Moves podcast powered by Greenwood. Prior to social media and the internet putting any answer at our fingertips, our special guest this week founded one of the few places where we could find the information about our favorite hip hop artists throughout the 90s, The Source Magazine. He has since founded Hip Hop Weekly, Money Moves. Let's welcome Dave Mays to the podcast. Dave, welcome to Money Moves. Hi, we're happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I love it. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. I'm not going to lie. You know, when I think back to my early days in growing up in Canada, the Source magazine was integral to my only real ability to connect to hip hop culture. So I'm so grateful what you founded there. And I'm really excited to dive into what you really built in your journey through hip hop culture, etc. So Dave, tell us, obviously you're a true fan. You've got all the heart for hip hop. Tell us what really inspired you to start this magazine and sort of be like a media source for so many of us growing up. 
Sure. Well, I mean, it starts for me growing up in Washington, D.C. I'm born and raised in D.C. Um, so, you know, at an early age, I kind of, you know, really got into black music and, you know, uh, D.C. back then was by far predominantly black city. Uh, it's changed a lot now. But, um, you know, I did go to Harvard for undergrad. When I got there, you know, I joined their radio station and uh, they were playing classical music and uh, was able to launch a hip hop and actually go-go show. Uh, the go-go didn't go over so well. What, they didn't want go-go in Boston? No, they hated it. So uh, I had to get rid of that and focus more on hip hop. But I think, you know, the inspiration really came from uh, initially from the listeners to my radio show, which, mm -hmm. which grew pretty big in the Boston area over the years. I did ran it for four years um, and just, you know, being inspired by the types of questions people would have, the listeners wanting to know information. And that was really the, 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 the very beginnings was a newsletter for listeners to the radio show. Um, once I got the newsletter out, um, which was just a sheet of yellow paper, you know, front and back, um, then I kind of came up with the idea to create the Rolling Stone of the hip hop generation. Mm -hmm. I, I read a book about Rolling Stone magazine and how it got started and saw a lot of parallels between hip hop and rock and roll uh, as much more than music, you know, social, political, cultural movements. And that really became, you know, my inspiration. I was I was always very entrepreneurial, but this kind of, kind of combined my entrepreneurial passion with my passion for this music and culture that I was a part of uh, in its very you know early stages. So I don't mean to date you here, but can you go back and tell us what year this was? Because I think, you know, I'm in my 40s, so I understand how this cycle has changed before we had the internet, social media, and how important it was for print magazines. So what year did you sort of start your radio show in Boston and the newsletter? The radio show started in 86, 1986, and the source was started in the summer of 1988. By the summer of 1990, I had graduated just barely but did graduate and moved down to New York. And we had a, you know, a small office there and it just grew, uh, grew from there. But yeah, this goes to what I would call the, you know, I kind of got into it at the emergence of the golden age. Of yeah. Hip -hop. Yeah. You know, with artists like Eric B and Rakim and Boogie Down Productions and then Public Enemy and others, you know, really kind of led the sort of evolving and changing of the, of the music and the culture very dramatically from that point on. And you know, for our younger Money Movers audience out here, sometimes I feel like we have to rewind and understand how important this was. Like we were still on cassette tapes, handing them from person to person, looking at, you know, did we even have CDs back then? I don't know. But the way we disseminated and passed music around was so different and we relied so heavily on magazines to make us understand who these artists that we were hearing tell, telling their stories. So talk about how important storytelling was for the artists and the magazine as a way to really um, convey who these artists were. Yeah, well, um, you know, the, the first thing is that th this source was created during a time when uh, hip hop was still very much not part of the mainstream. It was still very much looked down upon by wider society, mainstream media, and so forth. It was a young people's movement, um, you know, that was going on. Um, so, um, you know, the source filled a void in terms of being a publication that spoke to the community in their kind of language and from their perspective. Yeah. You know, that really, you know, resonated. A lot of people didn't believe that hip hop fans would read a magazine, uh, you know, even. 
So, uh, you know, I had a lot of, you know, naysayers, but uh, the source, of course, grew into the 90s to become the number one selling music magazine on newsstands in the world. We outsold uh, Rolling Stone by the mid 1990s. And of course, you know, got into doing a whole bunch of other things. So, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as the voices, it, it also really, you know, went well beyond the artists. I mean, the source was instrumental uh, in being a platform for many, many artists. We've discovered a lot of hip hop's biggest stars through the unsigned hype column, including mm -hmm. Biggie, Mob Deep, Common, uh, DMX, Eminem, uh, Capone and Noriega, David Banner. The list goes on of people who were featured in our column before the starts of their careers. But, you know, we also uh, gave a platform for social, political, cultural news and, and discussion and perspectives. Uh, we helped uh, launch a lot of careers for yeah. many people who are doing big things today in, in you know, media, entertainment and other related industries that got their start uh, at the Source magazine. So it was really like, you know, it was this place where you know our office was like the cool spot that people wanted to come I bet. hang out and be a part of and but it was just it was young we were all under 25 at the time and uh you know we just really had a had a passion for what we were doing and that's really what you know drove the source of success i'm katia adler host of the global story over the last 25 years i've covered conflicts in the middle east political and economic crises in europe drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if... no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. So on the Money Moves podcast, we always love to talk about how people look at monetizing and how they look at entrepreneurship and business. And obviously, coming out of Harvard, we'd imagine that you had this, you know, incredible business acumen. How did you really look at creating, you know, um, a two-page newsletter to growing it into a full-on magazine with awards, etc.? Did you have this vision from the very beginning, or can you talk about sort of like what you really thought this was going to be and what it became? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, well, uh, you know, one of the things that I was most proud of over the years with the source and, 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 and was always kind of my dream from the beginning was, you know, to build this huge multimedia company and kind of be able to still own it 100% um, and figure out how to do that. Um, so, you know, literally I built the source from the ground up. I had, you know, $200 when I started the first newsletter. Uh, it grew uh, without any financing. I never had any investors. I never had any loans. Really? So you bootstrapped it the whole way? Yeah, I just, I was able to do things. One of the big things that I did to uh, kind of uh, be able to shift from producing the magazine out of, you know, on campus to um, moving and actually operating an office space in New York and paying mm -hmm. more salaries was uh, I got a lot of uh, advertisers, record companies in particular that really believed in the source and, and the impact it was having to help elevate the music and the artists and the culture. Um, and I got several labels to prepay for a year's worth of ads in the source. Brilliant. For rate. So I, you know, I ran, you know, raised maybe a hundred thousand dollars, you know, before I graduated. And that was really the capital that I was able to use um, to build a company. Um, and it just kind of continued from there. I mean, I was able to really just find ways to, uh, you know, just keep cash flowing the business. You know, it, it took a, a long time because when you want to keep growing and yeah. you know, to part of, of the question, I mean, very early on, I had a big vision, you know, I, I, uh, after I read the book about Rolling Stone, you know, I really believed that the source uh, would be much bigger because hip hop, in, in my opinion, and it's a fact, was was uh, much bigger than rock and roll from the standpoint that, you know, rock and roll was created by black folks primarily, yep. Yep. but it was popularized through, you know, white artists um, and hip hop hadn't followed that same path 
Um, so, you know, you had everybody, white, black, Chinese, whatever. We all loved hip hop, but we loved the, you know, the artists and, you know, who originally created it, most of them being African-American. So I just saw, you know, that hip hop reached a wider audience. It was bringing everybody together. It was really powerful in that way, cutting across these lines and that the source could be much bigger uh, than Rolling Stone. And by the early 1990s, uh, I was quoted a number of times basically saying, like, I'm trying to build the Time Warner of the hip hop generation. So the vision grew from creating a magazine to creating a multimedia uh, brand. Wow, that's incredible. I love that. I mean, what a journey. Let's go back to the height of the success. We're talking about the late 90s. You've got all the artists. Everyone's wanting to be featured on The Source. So the next steps for you is you were talking about building this multimedia conglomerate. How did you really see the internet impacting that as well? Because that, I think, really changed the game for a lot of artists as well. Sure. Well, um, through the early to mid 90s, you know, I expanded into television with the Source Awards. Yep. I got the first one televised. I expanded into uh, compilation albums. The Source Hip Hop Hits were the biggest compilation CDs for hip hop in the business. Um, a number of other, the Source Sports, we started the, the, a separate magazine, different things like that. Um, and so I was on that path to multimedia when the internet really emerged in a big way, which was closer to the end of the 90s. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the fact is that, um, you know, I had a big vision for how the internet would, you know, obviously impact things and, uh, and provide a pathway to the audience that, you know, already back then was global. And so that's really what my mind was mm -hmm. thinking. As, as you mentioned, growing up in Canada, um, you know, the source was distributed in a lot of countries very early on. So yeah. there's thousands and thousands of people who learned about hip hop in France or, you know, uh, the UK or in Japan or wherever the case may be from the source magazine. Um, so I was really focused on how the internet would give us the ability to take the source and our content and our community and connect all across the planet, um, you know, everywhere. So, but that was actually the biggest mistake I made, you know, because going back to wanting to maintain ownership, mm -hmm. I had opportunities uh, to license uh, the source.com or do partnerships where I didn't have to finance it. But I'm thinking, Hey, I want to continue to own this stuff a hundred percent. Right found out I could take out a big loan against the company's cash flow. The magazine business and everything else was was doing really well. Um, so I took out a big loan to invest into the source.com in the late 90s. And that was sort of the big biggest first biggest mistake that I made, uh, just kind of betting the farm on the yeah. Internet at an early stage. And like many dot coms, uh, you know, that there was you know, tons that blew through hundreds of millions of dollars and went out of business all over the place. Uh, my loan was 12 million, but it, it, it ended up putting me in debt and kind of messing things up uh, quite a bit for me going, going forward from there. No, and I appreciate you sharing that because oftentimes people will just talk about the rosy times and the success and, you know, oh, we grew, we grew. And so this is part of what Money Moves is about, being able to share those obstacles and stuff so that other people can understand. And that was such a critical time. We saw so, like, the dot-com bubble bursting. So many people made just, like, so many mistakes that they look back and go, I probably wouldn't have done that the same. Can you talk a little bit more about just some of those hurdles that were sort of influential and in how you sort of look back on how you might have done things differently? Yeah, I mean, you know, the first things that come to mind in terms of 
you know, things that I learned uh, from the experience was, you know, I wasn't, you know, going back to something you said earlier about Harvard. Now, I went to undergrad at Harvard. I didn't go to Harvard Business School. My major was government. So I wasn't taking business classes or anything like that. I had been an entrepreneur from when I was just kind of growing up in D.C. and yeah. finding different hustles and things. So I already had, you know, that in me, you know, so I didn't have like knowledge about how to do all this and knowledge in particular about high finance and mm -hmm. bank loans and warrant fees and, you know, all these different things. And, you know, I had had so much success from a young age that, you know, I, I was like just rolling with it and, and trusting, you know, you know, my gut on that. But, um, you know, that the not understanding, you know, how high finance, different ways you can structure financing. Then after the loan problem, I had to sell a piece of the company to a private equity mm -hmm. fund. Mm -hmm. And I also learned a lot about that, you know, that it's not always, you know, they don't always have the same interests that you have as, right. a, as a business owner. And uh, so that, those are things that, you know, going, going forward with the things I'm doing these days or whatever, I think about, you know, handling in, in a much different way. All right, Dave. So can you tell our audience where they can find you on social media and where your podcast will be launched so they can be sure to tune in? Uh, absolutely. So uh, all the Breakbeat podcasts um, will be available on all the audio podcast platforms, you know, on your iPhone or uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll be able to hear the audio versions. Uh, the video uh, uh, podcast will be on the Breakbeat YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, you can find them there. Uh, our handle on social media is Breakbeat Media um, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. And uh, you can find me at, at uh, The Real Dave Mays on Instagram as well. I love it. Well, The Real Dave Mays, so many of us can credit The Source magazine as the thing that turned us into true hip hop insiders. You were at the forefront of the culture and the contributions you've made have been invaluable to so many. It was really great talking with you. Thank you so much for your time and we appreciate all that you've done for the culture. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right, Money Movers, that's all we have for this episode, but we have a lot more coming up. So make sure you join us again next time for the Money Moves podcast powered by Greenwood. Thank you so much for tuning in, Money Moves audience. If you want more or a recap of this episode, please go to thebankgreenwood.com and check out the Money Moves podcast blog. Money Moves is an iHeartRadio podcast powered by Greenwood, executive produced by Sunwise Media Inc. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare it's brand new season two 
I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilbur Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.